All right. Hello, everybody. I think we can get started. Thank you all very much for coming. I'm Bob Strachan. I'm a consultant with the Public Sector Professional Services Group here at AWS. And it's my honor to share this session today with my friends here from the American Heart Association, Dr. Jennifer Hall and Ms. Laura Stevens. Dr. Hall is the chief of the AHA's Institute for Precision Cardiovascular Medicine and one of the masterminds behind the vision for the Precision Medicine Platform, the focus of our session today. Ms. Stevens works as a research fellow in the AHA Precision Medicine Institute. She has a wealth of hands-on expertise in cardiovascular research and analytics, and she's one of the key contributors and influencers on the Precision Medicine Platform. So we split the, section, the session today into uh, several sections. So here's what we're going to cover. Uh, Dr. Hall will kick off the session by sharing AHA's insights on the global impact of cardiovascular disease. She'll help us understand the landscape and give us a sense for the significance of the technology and architectures that we're going to be talking about later on in the session. And then in part two, I'll talk about some of the practical aspects of creating the precision medicine platform. I'll show you how we got started, and we'll narrow in on some of the main concepts that drove much of the foundational work. And then the fun part, Laura here will give us a demo of um, the precision medicine platform, giving us a researcher's eye view. She'll show you how a researcher would find and request access to the data sets that they care about, and she'll walk you through an example of how a researcher can use a notebook to encapsulate their analysis code, the outputs and explanations. And then after the demo, we'll briefly uh, discuss some future possibilities and wrap up, hopefully in time, for some Q&A at the end. So Dr. Hall, take it away. Thanks, Bob. There you go. So it's really a, a pleasure to be with you um, today. And uh, just a big shout out and thanks to AWS for all the work that uh, we've done with them over the years. Um, AHA is a strategic partner of Amazon Web Services. Uh, and, and we're really happy to be working with them and all of our colleagues. So here's the problem, the global impact of cardiovascular diseases. Cardiovascular diseases are the number one cause of death in the world. And you'll see from this slide that the global cost of cardiovascular disease today is approximately 900 billion and will exceed 1 trillion by the year 2030. About five or 10 years ago, if we were gonna talk about technology and science and medicine, this is the slide I would have shown you. And this is the image that would have appeared in a lot of people's minds uh, that are in the fields of science and medicine. But really today, when we think about technology in our field of accelerating scientific discovery, it is, it is really about data access, data sharing, and data analytics to improve patient lives. The promise of personalized medicine, or precision medicine as we call it in the Institute for Cardiovascular Precision Medicine in the American Heart Association, is really about taking large amounts of data that are about each and every one of you. So that might include your whole genome sequence, that might include your zip code, that might include all the data on your Apple Watch or your Fitbit or your wearable device, so 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year throughout your lifetime. So knowing what you've been exposed to through the air, what's in the uh, pollution in the air, what you're ingesting, both food and drink, um, drink mainly perhaps while you're here um, in Las Vegas in the microbiome, thinking about how that interacts with your genes and how that interacts with your proteome, your microbiome, the exposome as we call that, um, and how that then comes together to put your personal health uh, picture together in one way. So that tells us how you may be more susceptible to Alzheimer's disease, more susceptible to cardiovascular disease, a heart attack or a stroke for example, and then how we can best treat that to either keep you healthy, prevent those things from happening, or give you the right treatment at the right time. And that expands beyond cardiovascular diseases, of course, into cancer, uh, brain, and musculoskeletal diseases as well. 
So for that, we're very uh, happy to be partnering with Amazon Web Services, and we'll be talking a lot more about this today. So just to give you a brief example, um, you know, 10 years ago, we were talking about new technology in the form of electronic medical, re medical records. And although this hasn't solved many of our problems, it has come a long way from when some of you in this room may remember when we took your electronic medical record in a paper file. And we transported that on carts and rolled those down the hallways of hospitals. So sharing information today in a secure way, in a very fast way, can now be done through these electronic medical records, uh, which is a huge improvement uh, in the medical industry. Modernizing healthcare in the cloud, as we talked about in that precision medicine slide, can happen through your wearable device information. Stethoscopes now that physicians wear can uh, pull up images, um, and that image can go onto the smartphone uh, and then be pulled through the personal computer, the tablet, and all be stored in the cloud today in a safe and secure way. New models for research. The American Heart Association is helping to remove traditional barriers to scientific discovery. And through this is really a means for faster access to data, one marketplace for data sets. So before, all researchers used to hoard their data. And you might find this hard to believe, but they kept it in, in one single location, in a desktop computer, and they didn't share it. So it's really, in a sense, an information problem. We need to bring this data together, allow these data sets to be analyzed by researchers and computer scientists like yourselves to help us find new solutions. And then more money can be spent on the actual research, uh, and then bringing this data together can be a real lifesaver um, in more ways than one to improve patient outcomes. And with that, I'll uh, turn it over to the architect. Thanks, Bob. Awesome. Okay, so a little bit of history here. This is a screenshot of a picture that we built very early on as a way of getting our heads around the different aspects of what this platform needed to do. Don't try and read all the words on the slide right now. I'll talk through the important parts. At its essence, this platform needed to connect researchers to the data they need to fuel their research. The architecture needed to embrace the concept of data set storage and management where the data sets of interest are really diverse. To understand the scope of the challenges, we narrowed our focus to a few existing longitudinal heart studies. These are studies that have followed individuals over time, collecting much information on those individuals in the hope that the information would reveal clues that would help scientists to detect patterns and correlations, and eventually the causes and cures for heart disease. The information in these data sets can be broadly categorized into phenotype and genotype. Genotype data tells us about an individual's DNA, where phenotype data tells us about pretty much everything else. Phenotype is defined as the observable characteristics of an individual resulting from the interaction of its genotype with the environment. And phenotype data covers a huge spectrum from ethnicity, gender, age, height, weight, etc., through lab and test results like blood pressure, blood sugar, heart rate, to medical history of symptoms and diseases. What we quickly discovered was that the studies were all different in a variety of ways. Even simple variables like age, for example, would be represented using different variable names, and the values themselves were represented differently across the data sets. Some would use age in years, others age in months. Others would categorize age into ranges, and of course the ranges used could vary between the data sets. Since one of the goals of the platform was to make data searchable across multiple data sets, it was clear that we needed a way to standardize on some common names and units. And this led to the concept of harmonization, and the notion of creating harmonized data sets from the raw data sets, which we're going to discuss more in a few minutes. Given the disparity of the data structures found in the few longitudinal studies we looked at, we quickly realized that we couldn't sensibly cram the data into well-defined relational database schemas. We needed a flexible architecture that would allow us to ingest data in whatever raw format we found it, and to give us the flexibility to evolve and improve how we harmonized it over time as standards evolved and as we learned about how researchers needed to search and analyze the data. 
So we decided fairly quickly to establish a data lake architecture on S3. This gives us the flexibility to quickly ingest new and different data sets, including different kinds of data in the future, for example, electronic health records, data from wearables, self-reported data, images, and so on. It gives us the flexibility to enhance and evolve how we harmonize and enrich the data to create new versions of the harmonized data sets while still preserving the previous versions. Researchers also needed to be able to find data that they are interested in from this data lake. We realized the platform needed to include the ability to index and search the data sets for attributes that researchers might care about so they could determine which data sets to use to develop or prove their hypotheses. And of course, having found and requested access to the data sets they want to analyze, the platform had to offer an environment for the researcher to easily access and analyze the data where it exists in the data lake, ideally without needing to download it. This is the concept of the researcher analysis workspace, which we'll also talk about a little bit later. So that's more or less how we got started on this adventure. There are many aspects to the overall precision medicine platform architecture that I'm not going to cover in this session because it would take too long. So instead we're going to narrow in on three of the concepts I just touched on. These concepts apply to the AHA precision medicine platform, but I think they also apply to any platform that aims to enable research across multiple data sets. The first concept is harmonization. I'll try to explain what it means, why you might need to do it, and how you might accomplish it cost-effectively at any scale. Then search. Before you can know what data sets are going to be useful, you need to have a way to see what's inside them. We'll discuss how you can build a search index and show you an example search and discovery web page that you can use to search for data across many data sets. And then analysis. Once you've found the data sets with data that you care about, you're going to want to dig deeper into them to find patterns and correlations, possible causes and effects. You'll want to access the latest and greatest in data science and business intelligence tools with a way to capture and share your insights. So as we discuss these concepts, try to imagine that you're a researcher. It doesn't really matter what kind of a researcher, but what does matter is that you've come up with a hypothesis. It's a really exciting hypothesis and one that you think might have a big impact if it can be proven. What you need now is data, and lots of it, so that you can see if your hypothesis holds. The data, of course, must contain the information fields that you need, and should ideally span multiple jurisdictions, timeframes, and demographics, so you can see if your hypothesis is widely applicable. You suspect that there are lots of potentially relevant data sets out there, and sure enough, you do find many data sets. But the problem you quickly encounter is that they don't conform to any common standard. Because they were created by different people at different times, often for different purposes, they can use different names to mean the same thing, and the same names to mean different things. They can use different units of measurements and different scales. Some values are represented as continuous variables, while others use discrete categories. And even when categories are used, their definitions might not align across the data sets. Instrument or sensor readings can be skewed from data set to data set because different instruments were used which may have been calibrated differently. And they all have data quality issues. Anyway, these problems make it very difficult for you to filter and compare data across the data sets or to do any sort of meaningful analysis across a superset of data. Each data set might be fine on its own, but they don't work well together. They're discordant. So you need to make your data sets play nice together, minimize the conflicting standards, you need to harmonize them, focus on the information that the data sets have in common and that you care about and convert this information to a common standard if possible. Now harmonization can be a whole lot easier said than done, and sometimes it's easy, like giving a variable a standard name, and sometimes it's impossible, like when key information is simply missing and can't be imputed. Sometimes it's possible, but you lose fidelity of the data, like when you try to align continuous and categorized variables. And sometimes it's possible, but really complicated, like when you try to align readings from differently calibrated instruments. Often harmonization is an iterative process, so look for the 80-20 rule. Find a handful of variables that when aligned will give you most value for the least cost, and then iterate. 
So here's the approach that we took for the precision medicine platform. And you might choose the same approach. Start by storing your raw source data sets in S3. S3 lets you secure your data with encryption and access policies. And once your data is in S3, you can do all kinds of cool things with it. We're also going to store the harmonized versions of each data set in S3 once we've completed the harmonization. Code your harmonization logic in Python or R. These languages are de facto standards for data sciences, and they're very familiar to your people in your organization. They have huge communities where you can get help for many common problems. Jupyter Notebooks is a very nice open source web application for integrating your documentation, exploratory analysis, and harmonization code into one self-contained notebook artifact. You can share these notebooks with the researchers who will consume your harmonized data. In fact, you can publish the notebook itself in S3 along with the harmonized data that it generates. This will unambiguously define how the data was harmonized in a way that anybody can review and reproduce for themselves. Apache Spark is a fast in-memory distributed compute engine which lets you easily scale your data and compute workload across clusters of multiple nodes. Spark can be programmed easily with Python and with R, and it gives you access to a rich set of data manipulation and machine learning libraries. It's a great platform for addressing the full gamut of harmonization challenges. And Amazon EMR provides clusters in the cloud to run Apache Spark. The clusters can be sized to handle the compute workload for whatever size and number of data sets you need to harmonize. Spark running on EMR clusters can easily access the source data sets in the S3 buckets where you stored them. And your harmonization code should also save its output, the harmonized version of the data set to S3 as well for your researchers to access and analyze later. Here's a reference architecture for harmonization. Later on, I'm going to point you to a blog post where you can learn more about this approach and even try it out for yourself using a CloudFormation template that sets everything up for you in your own account. The harmonization process is executed on an Amazon EMR cluster running in a VPC in your account. The cluster has Apache Spark and Jupyter installed so that once it's running, you can securely connect to the Jupyter Notebook from your web browser to create and run the harmonization notebooks. Your harmonization code reads the raw data sets from S3, transforms variables and values as needed, and saves the output harmonized data set back to S3, possibly to a different bucket. And when you're done harmonizing, you can download and save your notebooks in your source code repository, and then you can terminate the EMR cluster. There's no sense in paying for it if you're not using it, and you can always fire up a new cluster if and when you want to run harmonization again. Here are a few screenshots of parts of a harmonization notebook that were written in Python using the PySpark modules that allow Python to use the power of the underlying Spark cluster. I'm not going to give you enough time to read the code, but I did want to give you a sense just for how the documentation, the code, and the output from the code are all interweaved into one self-contained notebook that's easily peer-reviewed and tested. In these snippets, we're reading the raw data into a distributed PySpark data frame and capturing some exploratory analysis before starting on the harmonization. And here we're doing some very simple harmonization, standardizing variable names and units. If you're interested in seeing the example code, you can check out the blog I'm going to tell you at the end. Or alternatively, you could go check out the AHA Precision Medicine platform itself, precision.heart.org, where you can see the notebooks used to harmonize the data sets that are on there. You can easily add additional variables to describe the data set as a whole, which is useful later for data set searching. And your code can generate a data dictionary, which you can output and encapsulate in the notebook to create a handy reference for researchers to look at to know what's in the data set. Again, don't try to read the slide. I'm just using a screenshot here to show you the concept. We save our harmonized data and associated dictionaries twice. We need to save the harmonized data first to our S3 data lake, to the harmonized data bucket assigned to this data set. We use Spark SQL to save our data frames as tables backed by S3 storage. The Precision Medicine platform saves all harmonized data and associated dictionary data to CSV files today making it easily accessible to a large variety of research tools. In the future, we may also support the open columnar format, Parquet. I'm going to talk about a little bit more about that later. We use Amazon Elasticsearch to power the dataset search feature, which we're going to discuss next. 
So for search to work, we need to save a subset of the variables and their associated dictionary information or metadata to Elasticsearch. We'll only include the variables that we want to make searchable. Elasticsearch has a connector for Apache Spark, which we'll use behind the scenes here to bulk save the data frame we want to index. And finally, now that we're at the end of the harmonization process, we want to capture all of the output generated by the notebook. The notebook contains code that causes it to save a copy of itself along with the outputs it's generated up to this point to the same location in S3 as the harmonized data set. By encapsulating the notebook itself along with the data that it just generated, we can provide transparency to anyone who wants to consume the data. The notebook shows unambiguously how the data set was harmonized. This technique also allows us to provide a direct link to the harmonization notebooks in the search UI, which we'll see next. So now that your data sets have variables that are called the same thing and that mean the same thing, you'll want to make them easily searchable. You and other researchers need to quickly find data that are relevant to your hypotheses. So spin up an Amazon Elasticsearch cluster with a few lines of code in your harmonization notebooks. You can easily save the harmonized data you want to search on to an index in the Elasticsearch cluster, as we've just seen. You can build a web search UI like the one shown here to let you filter the harmonized variables. Here we've included a, an embedded Kibana dashboard to display aggregate information on the records that match your search criteria. This lets you do preliminary analysis and assess which data sets have relevant data. In the current version of the Precision Medicine platform, the Kibana dashboard was replaced with Spring and D3 code to make it a bit more secure and to provide control over the appearance. But the concepts are the same, and Laura's going to show you a demo of that in a little while. We just showed you how the harmonization notebooks were self-saved. So here you can see a link to an HTML version of the harmonization notebook for each data set directly in the search UI. When users have narrowed down their search to some likely data sets, they can easily click on the link to examine the notebook itself and see how the harmonization was done and verify that it suits their needs. The metadata assigned to each variable in the dictionary created by the harmonization includes fields that control the filter bar in the search UI. When the page loads in the browser, the search UI downloads the dictionary for each data set from Elasticsearch and uses these metadata fields to construct the filters bar with appropriate widgets for each variable. And widget types include range sliders, dropdowns, text input with auto-suggestions, and more. Here we've extended our reference architecture to add the Amazon Elasticsearch domain and the search and discovery portal for your data sets. We'll use the harmonization process to index the data that we want to make searchable. As I mentioned before, Elasticsearch has a connector for Apache Spark, which we'll use to efficiently bulk save the data we want to index directly from the harmonization notebooks. In our reference architecture, we've hosted the required components as Docker containers on the Amazon ECS service. To keep our Elasticsearch domain secure, we always connect to it via a proxy process which was installed on both the EMR cluster and the UI server. This proxy securely signs the Elasticsearch request coming from our cluster using AWS IAM rules that Elasticsearch has been configured to trust. We don't have time to get into the details here, but the blog post that I mentioned will give you more detail and let it try it for yourself if you're interested. The UI is deployed across two availability zones in your VPC to ensure fault tolerance. An application load balancer provides a single HTTP URL as the entry point. You can run the search UI as a standalone site, or you can incorporate it into an existing website. In the POCs for the AHA platform, we originally used WordPress to quickly create an overall site with the search UI embedded. If you want to dig deeper, the blog post in the CloudFormation stack I mentioned will let you set up this whole reference architecture in your account. Okay, so using the search capability, you've now located several harmonized data sets that you want to analyze to prove or refute your exciting hypothesis. But what tools can you use? Well, one great option is to reuse the same technology that we recommended for doing the harmonization for all the same reasons. This is what we did for the Precision Medicine platform. Python or R with Apache Spark on EMR clusters gives you access to many of the latest open source analytics, stats, and machine learning tools. You can spin up a data science workspace in AWS with all the tools pre-installed. You can make it as small or as big as you need it to be, 
depending on the combined size of your data sets and the kinds of analysis you want to run. And you pay only for what you use. You can even take advantage of low-cost spot instances. All your data sets stay safely stored in S3. This separation of storage and compute gives you the flexibility to size and resize your compute cluster as needed. And it also means you can shut down your EMR clusters to save money when your analysis jobs finish and you won't lose your data. As we discussed when we talked about harmonization, you can use notebooks to encapsulate your analysis code with its output and with documentation to create beautiful, live, executable and reproducible scientific artifacts that you can easily share with others. Researcher workspaces can run in separate accounts to make cost apportionment simpler and researchers are granted access to just to select data sets from the platform data lake that they requested and were granted access to. We use S3 bucket policies to establish and maintain the rules which govern which researchers can access which data sets. Researchers can also bring their own private data to analyze and combine with data provided by the platform. The researcher workspace provides local scratch buckets for researchers to use to store their own data and work products. And in the Precision Medicine platform, researcher workspaces are provisioned and secured for the researcher and include a multitude of tools that are set up and ready to use, including standard data science and machine learning tools, as well as new genomics tools that are being built for Spark, tools like Adam and Hale. Okay, now for the fun part. Over to Laura for a hands-on demo of the current production version of the Precision Medicine platform. Go, Laura. Okay, thanks, Bob. Um, so, me. So this is the search page when you have an account registered with the Precision Medicine platform. And it's basically the landing page uh, where you can find data sets that you're interested in for analyzing your research questions. The layout is designed to aid researchers in finding the data sets they need to conduct research. So the donut charts in the center provide information of the overall distribution of the individuals and content within the data that's available for all the data within the platform. The data sets are listed that um, below the donut charts, and those are all the data sets that are available. And then the left-hand side consists of filters that can be used to interact with the data and set, uh, set things to meet your research needs. And so, for example, the donut charts here, when you hover over these donut charts, you can see the distribution of the variables. So you can see here that the ages actually range between um, zero and 85. And you can see that within the age group of zero to five, there's 34,963 individuals between, within that age group within the data. Additionally, for example, when you're hovering over the age of 85, you can see that there's 10,000 individuals available. Um, as an example research question, let's say that we're interested in finding data that can be used to investigate the relationship between age and hypertension, which is high blood pressure. For this research question specifically, you might be um, interested only in adults. So the filters on the left-hand side can be used to find which data sets will best answer this research question. So we can filter the age category here, maybe to 18 or 21, and the ring charts will automatically update to reflect the change from the filter set, and uh, the data sets listed below will also update. So you can see now that um, your youngest age group is the, the 15 to 20 age group because you've set the age group to 18, but you still have your individuals of 85 available. Uh, if you remember, the research question also talks about hypertension, and so how age and hypertension relate. We can use the disease filters at the bottom here to set the hypertension status to true. So when you set that again, the uh, donut charts update as well as the list of data sets that are available. To further gain insight into how the data is harmonized specifically, you can um, use these notebooks here on the right-hand side. So when you click on this notebook, each notebook for every single data set um, 
We'll answer questions about the science behind the data, publications related to the data, uh, the research questions that were asked initially when conducting the data, as well as um, how the data was harmonized. The data dictionaries and the variables that are present within the data is also shown, um, as was explained by Bob earlier. And so then once the researcher has found a set of data sets that they're specifically interested in, they can either choose to filter down the data further or they can select multiple data sets. Currently, uh, biomedical data is often hard to access and that's because it often contains um, private patient information that needs to be kept secure and we kind of still live in this environment as Jen was um, referring to that researchers kind of just hoard their data on their desktop. And so finding, getting, finding and getting access to biomedical data can be challenging. And currently the way that process works is a researcher requests access to a data set and gaining access can take six months to a year at times. And then the researchers are allowed to look through the data, see if it will help answer their questions. And then if it doesn't, they go through the process over again and they do that for each individual data set that they're, that they're trying to access and use. So this allows researchers to find data without access and allows them to request access to multiple data sets at once. So once the researcher has decided whether they want all of these select data sets, for example, or just some of them, they can use the checkboxes here to select which data sets they're interested in requesting access to, and then they can select the request data access button. The concept of the workspace then is designed to save researchers the hassle of downloading, storing, finding ways to perform high performance analyses on the data itself. And so when a researcher uses this button, they can specify both the storage as well as the computational power that's needed. And the workspaces then use Spark and S3 to enable researchers to store their data and perform high performance computing analyses. The workspaces themselves are equipped with um, a variety of different tools, which can be found on the, the landing page of the Precision Medicine platform. And all the tools that are available, the packages within different, um, different languages like Python, R, all of that is listed, and common tools such as Plink and Hale and other tools that are used in biomedical analyses are also available within the platform. The researchers can actually access their data uh, through um, both RStudio and Jupyter Notebooks once they're within the workspace. Jupyter provides access to a variety of languages including R, Python, Bash, and more. And one of the things that's I think somewhat new and unfamiliar to researchers when they come to the workspace is they're not necessarily familiar with Spark or they're not necessarily familiar with S3. And so as a result, we provide these sample data set notebooks. So each data set that a researcher has access to comes with this sample data set notebook. And what that does is it allows the researcher to um, connect, to show them how to connect to Spark, how to load their data, and then use their data in a structure they are familiar with. So as an example, this is a training set that we have on the platform. And here's the example data set notebook. And so this is um, setting up initializing Spark. And this is loading the data and fetching your user scratch bucket information. And this is loading the data dictionary and loading the data set itself. And then um, these notebooks actually also can demonstrate how to use your data in a data structure like a pandas data structure or a data frame in R if the user wants to use the data in a fashion that isn't um, on S3 or Spark. Additionally, we have um, tutorials within the platform, and so users can use these tutorials um, to learn not only how to apply technology and new methods to their research, but they can also use them to understand how Spark and high-performance computing can benefit their analyses. So as an example, I'm gonna walk through this machine learning tutorial. The, the tutorials are designed to be plug and play so that researchers can specifically um, plug in their own data and rerun the tutorial and rerun the code. They are also designed so that they have both a biomedical explanation and a research question that they're answering as well as the code itself so that if you're unfamiliar with the code, you can see what's happening. Um, and then also if you're maybe unfamiliar with the research, you can understand it in the context of the research. 
So specifically, each tutorial covers, this, this tutorial as an example, has a research question that it's created in the context for, for the researcher itself, but it also discusses the technology behind it. So this specific tutorial uses machine learning to um, investigate risk factors for coronary heart disease. And so this explains the research question, but the tutorial also explains why Spark should be used and the software involved and um, what is the benefit of Spark and additionally what machine learning is too. So here is an example of what the machine learning is. Um, and so the user then can navigate these tutorials easily through the different links so that they can skip to parts that they need and then they can also just rerun them and use them as they see fit. Uh, to specifically explain and demonstrate the power of the platform, this specific tutorial actually conducts a machine learning analysis in three ways. So it investigates um, how to use random forests to identify important factors for predicting risk of coronary heart disease, and it does it with three different packages. So the first package is the carrot package in R, and that just walks through the random forest analysis so that the user has um, a method that they can understand as if it, they were going to perform this analysis on their computer at home or on a computer without Spark. And then additionally, it uses the Spark ML package and also um, H2OAI with sparkling water. And so with this, doing this three times, the user can easily see the performance behind the platform. So for, as an example here, the user can see when um, they're running uh, H2OAI. For example, they're running the exact same analysis using random forest. The platform takes nine seconds to run the analysis. Whereas if they were to run the exact same analysis on carrot, um, they can see that the they can see that the analysis would take 27 minutes. Yeah, here, so here it's 27 minutes, and this is a relatively small data set, um, but it just helps demonstrate not only the code behind running um, something with Spark and connecting to Spark using and to do machine learning, but also the time and the power that the platform has itself. Additionally, sometimes having access to biomedical data actually can be somewhat isolating in the sense that because only a limited number of individuals have access, you don't necessarily have this community or a lot of resources to go through and ask people questions about the data if you have questions about the data or ask about different analyses or talk to people about how you're going to use the data to answer your specific research questions. And as a result, the platform has created this forum which is available to all researchers, where researchers can then secure, securely ask questions that they have about the data to the community. And anybody who has access to the data has access to the forums, so it can engage the entire community as a whole to talk about the data and use the data to begin to identify cures for cardiovascular disease and stroke. Uh, I think with that, I'd like to um, finish up with just saying that Amazon and the AHA encourage all users, regardless of your background, whether it's biomedical or um, data focused, to use the platform and to check out the platform and to register for an account. So I encourage you to go to um, precision.heart.org and select register now. And with that, I'll hand it back over to Bob. Thank you very much, Laura. All right, I need to switch back to the slides. Okay, so we'll, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about some future possibilities. So we have not yet integrated AWS Glue into the Precision Medicine platform, but it's potentially a great fit for building and running the harmonization process. It would essentially do the same thing as the EMR Jupiter PySpark approach that we did adopt for the PMP, but without the need to provision and size an EMR cluster. Glue is a fully managed extract, transform, and load ETL service that makes it easy to prepare and load data for analytics. It can automate discovery and infer schema definitions from raw data, and also generate Python code to execute many typical data transformations. So it has the potential to reduce the time that it takes to implement the harmonization notebooks. If you're setting out to build your own harmonization platform, you should definitely consider using Glue. 
So file formats. The PMP today uses CSV format for all harmonized phenotype data and the standard genomic file formats such as FASTA, BAM, VCF, etc. for genotype data. We're exploring the potential benefits of adopting Parquet as a common file format for both genotype and phenotype data. Our harmonization notebooks can easily save the harmonized data in Parquet format and we can use the open source Adam project or possibly the new GATK4 project to create Parquet format copies of genotype data. Parquet is an open standard schema-based file format which is natively compatible with Apache Spark, making the data more readily and scalably accessible to data scientists and researchers using open source tool sets. It's a columnar format which makes it very efficient for accessing subsets of the variables and it scales really well. Parquet is also natively accessible to other AWS services including Athena and Redshift Spectrum. By adopting it consistently, we should be able to open up the use of standard SQL and BI tools to explore relationships and patterns in both genotype and phenotype information, making it easier for more people to look for insights in the data. And here's an alternative way to analyze your data sets, which might be attractive if you're more comfortable with relational databases and BI tools than with data science or programming. The Amazon Athena service lets you define relational database tables to describe your data, which stays stored in S3. The harmonization notebook can automatically define the Athena tables for you, so that when harmonization is done, you can immediately start running SQL queries in the Athena console or using BI tools such as Tableau. Athena is one of our serverless services, meaning that it's just always available. You don't need to worry about sizing clusters or anything like that, and you pay for only the queries that you run. And speaking of serverless services, you'll also want to try out Amazon QuickSight. QuickSight is our business analytics service. It's compatible with a wide variety of data sources, including Athena. And that means that within minutes, you could connect QuickSight to your harmonized data sets in S3 via Athena and create beautiful charts and tables to reveal patterns and relationships in the data. QuickSight includes an in-memory calculation engine called SPICE, but Spice lets you build really fast interactive visualizations and dashboards. And with QuickSight, you can create stories from your data to reveal insights in a logical progression. Interactive storyboards and dashboards can easily be saved and shared with others in your organization on both web browsers and the QuickSight mobile app. We show you how to use Athena and QuickSight in the blog post that I'll share with you in a second. Again, these tools are not currently integrated with the AHA Precision Medicine platform, but it's definitely a possibility for the future. So there are many, many other aspects to building and sustaining a service like the Precision Medicine platform that we just didn't have time to cover in this session. AWS and AHA have worked with a partner, RainCloud, to implement the full gamut of processes and tools needed to provide compliance, governance, and monitoring in a robust DevSecOps environment. RainCloud and AHA co-presented a session yesterday in the HCLS track, so if you missed it, you should look up the video when it gets posted on YouTube to learn more about these aspects. So we skimmed a lot of topics just now. During the presentation, I promised to refer you to a blog post that would let you dig deeper into some of these concepts. The blog comes with a companion sample application. By clicking the Launch Stack button, fires off CloudFormation templates that will create the entire reference architecture that we just discussed in your account ready for you to try out. The blog uses a publicly available police incidents data set from several US cities to allow you to try out all the concepts that we just discussed. So Dr. Hall is now going to wrap up with some final thoughts on what we've learned and what the future might hold for the Precision Medicine Platform. Thanks, Dr. Hall. It's been a real pleasure and I just want to say the most important thing which is a very big thank you to all of you as well as our Amazon Web Service partners, all of our architects, Laura, our RainCloud partners which are here today off to the left and if you have any questions uh, they're always here to answer them for all of you at the end of this talk today. Our lessons learned are in less than a year we've gone from zero to 36 million data points to over 370 million data points today. All of our grantees utilize this platform and we're second only to the National Institute of Health in giving money to fund uh, grantees uh, to accelerate scientific discoveries in the areas of cardiovascular disease and brain health. And so this is the wave of the future. This is how 
we see it with our partners and we never would have been here without Amazon Web Services today. All the work you've seen presented is to improve the lives of patients with cardiovascular diseases and stroke. Um, and you can read through this slide. The benefits of working with Amazon Web Services are listed here. Um, these are just a very few of the many points uh, in the benefits of working with them. Uh, this is the future. Um, we're happy to talk with you about it um, at the end and throughout this um, meeting. So again, thank you very much, and we're happy to answer any questions. Question. Yes, I'll answer those in the reverse order. Yes, we have GATK. Broad is a strategic partner of ours, um, and we're extremely happy with that relationship. Um, the amount of data we have stored is best answered by Laura, probably. Do you know, currently? Off the top of my head, not exactly. Uh, it changes pretty much every Daily. day. We just <laughs> imported, I don't know. Um, we can update you on that afterwards. We're working on, we have a relationship with Framingham. Uh, we have a pilot program with the National Institute of Health today. Um, both the National Institute of Health and the American Heart Association have helped to fund uh, the Framingham Heart Study. So uh, we're working on those consents, which are the most important for those participants that participated in that Framingham Heart Study. And once that is cleared up, uh, we hope to bring that data in. Our grantees have access to that data, and that is stored in their secure clouds, but we are unable to open that to the public until we clarify those consents um, and that process with the NIH. So security is most important to us and those of the underlying participants. Thanks for the question. That's probably um, best answered by all of us. I guess from, from a scientific standpoint, from my point of view, I guess it's just out there talking to the researchers and figuring out what they need. And then also our grantees help us in this way that it's the access to the grants um, you know, that they bring on board and that they need access to themselves. Um, a lot of that data that we're bringing in today is around images and artificial intelligence, machine learning, partnered and the depth of the data. So it's not just the amount of data, but it's the depth of data on one individual data point. So if, if we have um, one individual with image outcome and 100 phenotypes behind it, that is a, a you know, a data um, set that most people seem to be very excited about. Um, and again, it's, I would say, the orthogonal nature of the data as well. So when you can bring together um, genomic whole genome sequence data on atrial fibrillation with outcome data, with proteomic data, with stem cell data in that area, and bring that all together, that's a new um, very new novel thing that that information was not put together in one place before. So um, I, I would just offer that as, as one solution. There's probably many answers in, in this room. Any other questions? Yes. If we do go ahead and register on that site, are there any data sets available for non-medical professionals? Sure, we, we promote that actually because there's, you know, the data scientists are using data in, in one way and that's very flat. And from a computer engineering or computer architecture standpoint, you bring a lot to the table that we currently don't have. There's data sets on there from, you know, that appeal to all types of scientists. You'll see them today. There's claims data there. 
There's uh, genetic data there. There's phenotypic data there, which means, you know, basically some outcome data, blood pressure data, heart rate data. And, and you can mash it all together in different ways and request data from us on the community forum. And we're happy to add that type of data there. You'll see that it all has something to do in, in a way with cardiovascular and brain health. But again, please give us your comments and suggestions on that forum. No, no, there's you, some of the data sets you can get access to without um, filling out a lot of information. Some of the data sets are more protected and that's from the data contributor side. So coming in as a citizen uh, scientist, which many of you might fall into that particular category, you can have access to some data sets that are wide open and already public today. Yes. Thanks for the question. We are working uh, towards that. So Laura has created some uh, demos and tutorials in that area to help um, just that specific aspect. She's also worked with some of our other grantees as well on creating tools that don't require coding. We are working in partnership with AWS and their Educate program uh, to, to work on badges appropriate for, you know, heart big data and heart um, and other types of, of work along that area. So again, we're working in that area that will span from hopefully um, any, any age group from youth up till um, my age and uh, maybe a few years beyond. So thanks for the question. Okay, we're one more and then we'll wrap up. Uh, no, that, does, that doesn't quite fall today within the realm. Perhaps um, in the future, you know, we do do work and expanding in the area of our journals within the American Heart Association. We have many different uh, journals that our 30,000 volunteers, um, you know, subscribe to. Many of those are in the area of genetics and molecular biology. Um, and we'll be, you know, working with our journals to, to publish some of the methodology and things. And so CRISPR falls in, in that realm today. But thanks for the question and exciting area. Thanks again. We're happy to take questions afterwards. Thank you all very much.